the acquiring minds want to know how much of your offensive success can be credited back to that morale blend that you introduced a couple weeks ago. Yeah, probably 100% of my success, maybe 99% of the team's success. Well, guys, this Northwestern defense is hungry after that loss to Michigan State in which they took it personally. Your first at bat saw a lot of curveballs. How'd that set you up for your second AB with the homer? Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Where We Belong podcast. This week I'm honored to be joined by an amazing broadcaster out of the Windy City that hopefully someday I can meet and check Wrigley Field off my bucket list as a broadcaster or just a baseball fan in general. But let's get to it. I'm McGregor. I am a host and reporter for Marquee Sports Network. I also do college football on ESPN. Um, I'm originally from Golden, Colorado. I went to college at Arkansas and just kind of worked my way up to where I am today. How did you find your way to Arkansas from Colorado? That's a funny story. Everybody's always asked me that, but I was actually born in Fayetteville. My dad got his doctorate degree from there and my mom got her master's. So I was able to get in-state tuition because of the alumni rules or the alumni scholarship, I should say. That's the proper term. and it worked out for me to go there. So everybody was always like, why would you leave Colorado to go to Arkansas? But it was the best experience. I love being in the SEC. So my, I guess my first question just is, you've become incredibly successful very quickly. Um, how did you really prepare yourself well in undergrad and in college to that transition to the professional world and up until this point? It's interesting you say that I've gotten here so quickly because there were so many moments in my career where I felt like I'm not doing it fast enough. And so I think advice to young broadcasters is to slow down. Uh, You're going to get to where you want to go eventually. Just keep working and eventually it's all going to work out. And I I still have to remind myself of that at at times. Um, But I think in college, I almost wish I would have done more. I did a ton of internships and that really set me up and and I'm in the job I am now because of a connection I made through my internships and that helped me immensely. So internships are huge, but I think I wish I would have done more when it comes to preparing and and honing my craft because I didn't do a ton of on-air work. I started doing some UATV stuff my senior year, but that was really it. And so uh, some other advice I would give to young broadcasters is if you want to be on air, then start getting on air as soon as you can. I mean, I know girls who did internships in high school and, and, and are already doing that. And so and that's huge for them because they're starting to hone their craft. And ultimately, that's what this is all about is, is getting good at what you do. And then, you know, once you hone that skill, then people are going to take notice and hire you. So I I prepared a lot with the internships, meeting people, and of course that's a plays a factor in getting jobs. But um, I, I wish I would have done more honing my craft. If that, if you could look back at your past self or write a letter to your past self, would that be the advice that you would give yourself, or would there be a different lesson that you would think stands out a little bit more? I think it would definitely be that, but as well as just enjoy the journey. Uh, I think, you know, so much in this industry and really life in general, we're always thinking of what's next, then what, what can I do now? And I think you forget to enjoy the process. And ultimately, this career is all about the process. Because even when you get to what you like thought was a dream job, because for me, 
get like covering a major league baseball team and doing college football for ESPN, I thought that would have been like, I made it. And then I think you get here and all of a sudden you realize, well, I'm not fulfilled yet. I, 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 I want to keep going. And first of all, if you place your fulfillment in this career, you're never going to be fulfilled. Um, but second of all, I think you also have to enjoy each step of the way because or you're going to get to end, the end of your career and say, well, I, I never really enjoyed it as much as I would have hoped. And I think that's when I look back at my career. I mean, I, my first job was in Casper, Wyoming and Market 196. And I wish I would have really cared more um, about the journey and enjoying the things that I got to do in that market. Because um, I think sometimes I had a bad attitude, like, okay, this is not forever. I can get through this instead of being like, no, this is cool. I I'm getting to enjoy this right now. And so that would be some advice that I would give to my younger self is just trying to enjoy the journey more. As a, kind of a, I guess, from my point of view, from a college student, I find myself, and I think anyone around me would agree with me when I say this, I fill my plate way too much because mentally I'm thinking if I don't say yes to this opportunity, someone's going to take it from me and what if that's my big break? You know what I mean? How do you know, one, when to say no, but also how do you find that balance to like go out with friends, like have fun with friends and enjoy those aspects of life, but also stay incredibly focused on your career to build yourself up for success in that side? I think that's a phenomenal question because I think I've been most empowered by saying no. I think early on in your career, the biggest advice people give is to take everything, say yes to everything. And and I, th I, I certainly think there is an element to that that's valuable and true of, you know, be willing to go to Casper, Wyoming, be willing to, you know, do behind the scenes stuff if, if that's what's needed to help get your foot in the door whatever it may be that there's so much value in that but i also think like i said going back to enjoying the journey like i feel like each person needs to create carve out what they want a work-life balance and i talk to my friends about this all the time of how do i have a successful career quote unquote successful everybody has their own version of success but also live a life that I want to live. You know, I want to be a mom. I want to have kids. I, I want to get married. I want to enjoy time with friends and family. Um, and, and that can be challenging in this industry. So I think when it goes back to, you know, when to say no, when to say yes, and what have you, I think I found early on in your career, you kind of have to do everything to get your foot in the door and really build up that hard work and, um, show people that you're willing to do everything but i think there's a level of respect for people who can say you know what this isn't my identity and so i'm going to take a step back and you know evaluate kind of what exactly i want and i think there's like in baseball i see it with women who who don't want to do baseball every day because it's an absolute grind and that's okay that works for them they have to say no to this job to say yes to their husband and say yes to their kids. And that is what matters to them. So I think it's all dependent upon your situation and your circumstances. Um, but I will say that some of the most times I felt empowered in this career is when I had the chance to say no, because I think I'm somebody who I, I want to keep climbing the ladder and I want more and more. And so I, everybody always told me, say yes, say yes, say yes. Even if that yes probably wasn't the best yes for me 
Um, and so learning how to say no to things that aren't right for me has been empowering. And so I don't know if there's a perfect formula for okay, say yes to this, say no to this. But I think you have to kind of identify what you want to be, the things that you value, and then base your career off that. What is, and I'm glad you kind of touched on the family thing, and I'm sorry if this is a tough topic to bring up, but what is something that maybe your dad's past in sports, um, what is something that his lessons have taught you? And like the whole girl dad thing with Kobe Bryant is a big thing mm -hmm. now. And, I mean, I'm more than thankful for my dad because he really, I think, impersonates those qualities. But did your dad, is he the reason you're in sports and what lessons did you get from him? There's so many lessons and I appreciate you bringing him up. Um, I, I'm, I'm so thankful to have been raised by a dad who embodied the morals and values that I strive to embody. And um, I've talked a ton of, with different people about the things I've learned. I think one of the things that he was so good at is oftentimes in this industry um, and in life in general, when you're given a lot, so you can you can allow yourself to be identified by that like oh she's this or i'm this and that makes me more valuable than other people and i think it's something that's done unintentionally because people have worked really hard to get to where they want to go and so they want to take pride in that and there is an element to that that i think is awesome but i think my dad was so good at always staying so humble and you know the more that he was given the more he wanted to give to other people and, and constantly put others before himself. And in a role like he had being president of the Rockies, that's sometimes a role where people, you know, puff themselves up and, and are become something that is you, you kind of feel like you're bigger than than others. And and he never did that. And so I think that was something that I learned from him and hopefully I can embody is to just kind of Always, it doesn't matter where you're at or what role you're in, try to put others before yourself and like live in a humble manner. Um, because ultimately, like you're, I don't want my job to ever define me. And if my job was taken away from me tomorrow, I still want to be okay because I want my identity to be grounded in serving others for loving God and, and for things that are so separate from success within the world, if that makes sense. And so that's probably the biggest lesson I've learned from him when stepping into a career like this, that that, that becomes very easy to let yourself find your identity through. I've definitely connected with your story, not just because I really like, I want to do the job you do, but also sense of that when I was going into my seventh or my eighth grade year, um, I went into sudden cardiac arrest. And since then, mm -hmm. I'm beyond healthy now, um, have done a ton to raise awareness through the American Heart Association. I've had a transplant, so I'm over the moon happy and blessed to be happy, happy and living my dream and my dream college now. But I think when you touched on the living in the moment, that really hit home because those kind of things I learned very quickly. You don't understand those as serious as you should, unfortunately, until it hits that point. And you... And isn't it crazy how well first of all you know i'm so happy you're healthy now and, and that you've overcome everything that you've gone through and i'm thankful for the perspective you have but i feel like it's so crazy to even go through something like that or even with my dad you know losing him when i was 17 
And in the moment, it becomes so real to you that life is so precious, precious and so short, and you need to enjoy the moments. But yet here I am sometimes not embracing that. And that's the part that's difficult is you go through really hard times and you, you feel the lessons of that so so real in your life. And then other moments you get caught up in the things of this world and, and the things that don't really matter. And so um, I, I love to hear you talk about how that touches you because I feel like for me, I have been moved by obviously my dad's death, but other stories who and people who can relate to it. And I need to remind myself of that more because I feel like too often I forget, I lose sight of that and I forget that. Um, but I want my life to be grounded in that because I think ultimately we're going to be more fulfilled and we're going to choose the right things day in and day out if we can remind ourselves of that. That's definitely my biggest weakness is kind of, is kind of like I mentioned, it's very much what's the next thing I can be doing to do better in my career in the future. And I don't really calm down as much as I should. Um, yeah. My mom's a psychologist and I get that from her all the time. <laughs> but do you feel a certain pressure? If it is a pressure, can you kind of describe the feeling of carrying out like your dad's legacy to an extent? I think there have been moments where I tried to be him and I learned quickly I'm not him and trying to live in that pressure of being somebody that I'm not is I don't I don't want that pressure and so I think for me it's it's more about just learning what he taught me and trying to live that out um, and being the best version of Taylor because that's what he would want is is to be the best version of me and to love people in a manner that he did, but within myself. Does that make sense? So there, yes, there's been pressure if you want to do all these things, but I think I've had to take a step back and say, that's not what I'm created to do. I'm not created to be Kelly McGregor. I'm created to be Taylor McGregor. And so, and I think being freed of that pressure to try to live on some legacy is, is awesome. And I'm thankful for that. And so, I think my life now, it's just, no, I'm going to focus on being the best version of Taylor, but also remember the lessons that he taught me and kind of use those to do that. I think a lot of this career, like all the time, especially being a tall blonde, I get, oh, you want to be the next Aaron Andrews, right? And I finding like your own, I guess, uh, label and style, I think has been driven home a lot of ASU for me, but also the biggest struggle because you don't want to be kind of like you said you don't want to be the next person that's sitting next to you you want to be the one you um but i talked to Sh um, john shambi actually in a class this year and i wanted to touch on just the message i don't want this podcast to be about look at all these amazing women and then the men bringing them down because that's not at all what this world for the most part is like there's amazing men in the industry that really want to see everyone do well um but shambi is really i grew up listening to a lot of his stuff but to me he impersonates that personality what is your best piece of advice maybe just in baseball or working in football and sports being surrounded by men to get the respect if you feel like you need to earn that or just to keep doing you it's a great question, and I think it, it, you're right. I think so many times it's about, oh, well, that must be really hard to be a woman in a male-dominated industry. 
And I think my focus is always like, no, I want to be a person in this industry. And I don't want to focus so much on being a female and they're male and it's us versus them because that's not how it is. Like we're all just people in this industry. Um, and Boog, John Shambi, for those who don't know, is the best. Um, and I think he, he's been so valuable to me this year um, in so many ways, both on and off the broadcast. He's an amazing person. He cares so deeply. He's incredibly gifted. Um, he's really given me a new perspective on broadcasting. I actually told somebody the other day, I don't think I've ever learned more from a, a single human in this industry than I have from Boog. He challenges you to think, okay, well, why why if you want to put this stat up on tv well why does that matter and and um you know if i had a story he'll be like okay but i don't know if that fits here maybe wait a few weeks and see how the numbers play out it's really easy in baseball to manipulate numbers to tell a story but he really challenges me to think about okay but is that actually the story because we don't want to put a you know a fake narrative or, or try to force a narrative out put it out there um and so I, I've just learned so much from him. And, and he's an example of a man who um, has helped my career. And I'm, I'm super thankful for him. So I think it's just being willing to ask questions, being willing to sit down with people who have way more experience than you do. So, for example, Boog and JD, who I work with closely, they have way more experience than I do, obviously. And so asking questions and showing them that you care, that you want to learn, I think is what's helped me the most of just kind of opening up that relationship. And when people know that you are trying to do well and you're working really hard, then even if you do make mistakes, you're going to be extended so much more grace because you're working hard and they have such a respect for that. Because it's live television, everybody's going to mess up. Um, and you know fail at some point but if you just have that respect for one another that okay they're trying they're trying to put the breath best out there then I think that goes a long way and just for the same reason that I really appreciate like you meeting with me you have a lot more experience than I do but I learn <laughs> so much from talking to different people even if it's what I want to do in the future what I'm working towards but I remember Boog he was actually packing up his apartment and um NYC I think he was preparing to move to Chicago and he stopped and like had all these boxes behind him and to talk to our class and just his smile and his personality is infectious I grew up I'm from Kansas City so I grew up a huge Kansas basketball fan and I recognize his voice just about from anywhere at this point I love it I love it yes but what is your typical day in the life at Wrigley Field well, it's funny, I've, I've gotten asked this question a lot recently, and it's so different than what it would usually be like pre-pandemic. So I'll kind of take you through what it's like recently. Um, I get to the ballpark usually about four hours before. In a normal year, it would be probably more than that. Um, but with Zoom calls, you can kind of jump on the Zoom call wherever because there's no access to the clubhouse or anything like that. So every every piece of information you get via zoom and obviously you can zoom anywhere so i get to the ballpark um and that's kind of my time when i get on the zooms and then put process information and things that i want to do on the broadcast that day sometimes it's running around crazy doing you know talking to different people or needing to get different elements for the show so it's kind of um 
those those four hours before the game always fly by because you're just trying to get information and and get prepared for the show and then um when we're home i'll go to the the Camberwell next to the dugout do my pregame hit and then we have an open or i'm always in the open an open hit and then you just kind of sit there watch the game see when you can get in and add different elements of or whatnot and then um post game we do post game reaction in the clubhouse uh, i guess via zoom i shouldn't say in the clubhouse the zooms in the clubhouse we're not um and then go home so i usually leave 30 to 45 minutes after the last out and that's that's a typical day um and it, it, in a normal year it would change like you're kind of running around doing different things but i feel like in covid where the access is different it's pretty regular like you have the zoom calls you kind of go down to your spot you do your hits and and then you go home um but that's that's a day in the life that sounds like my heaven um <laughs> i'm not gonna lie just a quick <laughs> Last question, who do you see coming out of the NL Central? Because, I mean, I said I'm from Kansas City. I really don't want to hear the words Cardinal. <laughs> Cardinals come out of your mouth, but, I mean, I'm looking at the leaderboards and rankings and stuff. I know. Well, I don't want to say the Cardinals either. So, I think it's going to be an interesting race. I thought early on, and I said this actually before the season, I thought Milwaukee was the best team. They, their pitching has been lights out, um, although not quite as good as at the beginning of the year. Uh, but their their offense has holes, and we've definitely seen that, and especially some injuries with Christian Yelich on the IL for a majority of the year so far. Their offense hasn't been producing um, like I think you need to to win this division. Um, Cardinals have been really good. I think the Cubs are really solid as well. I think there's the, the starting rotation needs to go deeper into games and um, be a little bit more consistent. The bullpen's been really good lately. The offense has been the best offense in baseball the past month. So I think every team in the division, you really could argue with 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 uh, out the, the Pirates. But I think really the Reds, Cardinals, Cubs, Brewers, you could make a case for any of those teams. Um, I think a lot of them, every team has their, their own strengths, but they also have their own weaknesses as well. So I don't know. I'm not ready to give an answer. I'm, not, I'm definitely not ready to say the Cardinals. I, I said the Brewers at the beginning of the year, and early on that looks to be the case, uh, not as much as of late. But, you know, baseball, when you play 162, everything's going to even out. So we'll see. I, I'm excited for September. I think it's going to be a fun race in the Central. I love, especially this season, I've loved seeing the Royals play any of the NL Central teams. Like, I mean, you had Ben Zobris for a while. There's just a lot of players around that division. And like Cincinnati has Mike Moustakas, and then the Brewers have uh, Lorenzo Kane, And just like all these players that came from that World Series team um, in Kansas City that I just hold so close to my heart because that's one of those key moments that I'm like, yeah, I, I want to keep looking into going into sports. But... Anyways, thank you so much for meeting with me, and I, I mean, good luck in the middle of your very busy season. Oh, of course. I appreciate you reaching out to me and having me on, um, but you're great. Keep doing what you're doing, and um, 
maybe we'll see you at spring training next year. And thank you, my lovely listener, for joining me this week on the Where We Belong podcast. In the bio, I have attached a link to donate to the American Heart Association that I hope you'll consider. And you can reach out to me at Where We Belong Pod on Instagram or at Olivia Eisenhower Sports on Instagram as well to donate. Have a great rest of your week. Work hard, be kind, and I'll catch you back here next week.